Hey father, hey son, making a podcast sure sounds fun. Set up the mics, grab a cup of joe, and let's see how it goes. Okay, today we are, uh, we've been thinking about parenting um, and when it comes to raising children that honor God with their lives, um, that uh, are grounded in the word, um, sometimes it comes down to old-fashioned work. Absolutely. And work is not a dirty four-letter word. You know something? I was listening to a, a podcast not too long ago, and I never noticed this before, that work was before the fall. Have you ever noticed this? Like in Genesis chapters 1 and 2 and 3. So you've got creation story, and then you got the fall. Man's job was to work, to work the ground, and to work with the animals. And so we, you know, it's easy to come in and be like, "Yeah, well, work is the curse." You know, God put the curse on man and said, "You you have to work now." No, He said, "Now you're going to work the land, and it won't yield for you, even with the sweat of your brow. Sometimes you're going to have pain. You're going to have all these different things." So the curse was pain and difficulty. Not work. Yeah, work is really a blessing of God because, let's face it, if we didn't have work, if we didn't have something to create, if we didn't have something to do, you talk about a boring civilization that we would have. Yeah. And because we're created in the very image of God, who is a creator, Mm -hmm. therefore, we are creators. Maybe you write, maybe you play music, maybe you write music, you do different things, you paint a house, you do artwork. We are creative beings because our Father is a creative being, and therefore, we create. He also worked. He created the whole creation, all the various things. Well, that's work. That's not a bad thing. And I think we've got into a culture today where that we misunderstand what work is. And then because we as adults misunderstand what it is, we misunderstand what it means for our children to work. Right. You know, like you said, God worked. If you say, if you look in Genesis chapter uh, one and two, it says he rested from his work. Absolutely. Right? It was the labor of doing the work. He spoke it into existence and he rested. Was it because he was tired? No. <laughs> He's setting the precedent and he wants us to rely on him, right? Well, too often we go straight to the Sabbath. Oh man, I'm just so tired. Right. I saw somebody not too long ago. They said the uh um the definition of being an adult is complaining about how tired you are. I'd beg to differ. That's also the definition of today's teenagers. I'm just so tired. Why? You haven't done anything but stayed up late and looked at your phone, you know, whatever. Um, But when it comes to work, uh, one of the things that we wanted to talk about, uh, specifically when it comes to parenting, is making your children do difficult things. Um, It's not going to hurt them. In fact, it's it's going to be good for them. Uh, and so one of the things we were talking about was, uh, you know, of course, being a father and son, we have lots of stories of work and having to learn to work and seeing it exemplified. And um, there's, we're not talking about being a workaholic. We're not talking about being uh, finding your identity in work. A lot of times people are like, well, if I'm not working, who am I? Well, there, there's, a, there's a healthy balance as well. But what we're really specifically talking about is um, when we try to protect our children too much and we protect them from responsibility. Sure. And and for years, we've had this issue of helicopter parents, and that is they hover over everything that their mm-hmm. children do. And if their children mess up, 
they go in and rush in and fix it. Mm-hmm. And when that happens, then you are robbing your children from the ability to be constructive in their thinking to figure out things. There are times when that you are working through problems and issues. And if mom and dad are always there taking care of absolutely everything, hovering over everything mm. that they do, then your children never learn from their mistakes. One of the things is going to college and going to school is you get a diploma. Well, in life, you get a diploma from the school of hard knocks. You figure out another way of how not to do something or don't do it that way or don't ever do that again. But when we as parents are helicopter parents, and that is we hover over everything, then our children have no responsibility. They don't, they don't do anything at school. They can't hold down a job. Every time something goes bad, they quit or they mess up because mom and dad will always swoop in and take care of that for them. That is not good parenting. Sorry to say that to some folks. That's not good parenting. That's actually terrible parenting because our whole whole job is to help our children to mature and function in a society so that they can leave home and raise their children with a good work ethic. Exactly. And in when it comes to helicopter parent, parenting, you said it exactly right. We have to learn from our mistakes. And if we it's like I could read a book about how to do something, but the only way I'm going to learn is to do it. And this is something that we've uh, we've discovered in in my family. That's that's it's a term, uh, a phrase that I've I've been using uh, with my kids. Is uh, they're like, well, that's tough. That's tough. That's hard. I, I'm not good at it. I get that a lot. I'm not good at it. And so my response is always, "Do you know how to get better at it?" And they always roll their eyes and go, oh, "Do it." Because that's what I've been teaching them. I've been teaching them. And it's like, I could go do that. I could do that for you. I can make that for you. I, I could do it in three minutes. Case in point, I had my son help me make chili last night because I needed his help. No, I wanted to teach him how to do this. Just not necessarily the recipe, but just you're going to help me in the kitchen. It. I had him open five cans with a can opener. I was able to get a pound of meat fried from cold to browned by the time he got all five cans open. Absolutely. It took forever, but I didn't swoop in and help. I, I, I was waiting on him, but what's he's going to learn. I could tell him how to do it, but if I just tell him, he will not learn. We learn best by doing. Some people are auditory learners. Some people are visual learners. My favorite word, I, I don't know why I remember this, but they were talking about the five ways you learn. And my favorite was kinesthetic tacticality. It was just fun to say. And that is doing, learn by doing. And I think most of us learn by doing. And, you know, we talked about helicopter parenting, and that was a big phrase about um, in, in the like the first decade of the 2000s. But here what's come recently is a new one. It's called lawnmower parenting. And lawnmower parenting is even worse. These people go ahead of their children and knock down everything in their path so they have a more smooth sailing. And their uh, justification for this is they go, well, I had it hard. I don't want my kids to suffer like I had to suffer. Or, you know, I had to work so hard for everything I have. I've done my hard work. Now I want to give it to my kids so they don't have to. Yeah, but that's when you get a spoiled brat. And that's when you get kids that don't know how to do anything. I know people, personally know people, whose teenage sons do not help mow the yard. 
and they pay somebody to come mow their yard. And they have three able-bodied teenagers that live in their house, and they pay somebody to come mow the yard. I can't explain to you how much that infuriates me. Um, because that's one of the things that I learned. And uh, you got to tell that story. Yeah, well, I was going to say, first of all, uh, the whole thing about Tom Brokaw, he wrote the book, you know, The Greatest Generation. Mm-hmm. In fact, they came through World War II, but before that, they had to go through the Depression, had to go through the Dust Bowl, and had to go through all these hard things. Then they end up in World War II, and then then after the World War II, you have Korea. And because they had to fight and do all these hard things, that when then this next generation came up, they didn't want those children to have to go through some of the difficulties they yep. did. Well, that moves them into the children of the late 50s and children of the 60s. So that's mm-hmm. where we get Woodstock. It's where we get all the things that are going on. Free love and, and the experimental. blew up yeah. everything. So now those kids are now adults, and they're raising children, and they're raising their children the exact same way. Yep. And that is, we don't want you to go through the difficult things. And I think culturally, we're seeing some of those results. And now with Gen Z and then the next group that's coming up, Generation Alpha, mm-hmm. uh, we've got a whole new world that we're going to have to deal with. And this whole work ethic has got to be changed or we're going to be in a world of hurt. With you, I can remember um, learning or teaching you how to mow the yard. Uh, actually, your mom, she liked to mow the yard. That was okay. I was all right with that. But I told her one day, I said, okay, Matt has to mow the yard today. She said, but I like to mow the yard. I said, it's not about you. It's not about him. not about you mowing the yard or you getting it right. He needs to know how to do this. And just for everybody to know for sure, Matt didn't like that too much. Uh, in fact, he didn't like it at all. I fought and so hard. It rained two days ago. It's 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 too soggy, right? He made every excuse there was from it didn't rain that it should be raining. And and then for a while, it was like, I don't want to do it. And his mom would argue with him. I said, don't argue with him. Just tell him I said and pick up the phone and have him call me. And most of the time is, no, I'm, I'm good. I'll, I'll do it. And it wasn't the fact that that. She didn't do a good job. She did a great job. In fact, she still does a great job. But Matt needed to know how to mow the yard because he would not always be a 13-year-old at home. Right. One day he's going to be a 40-year-old man with children of his own having to pass that same job skill down, life skill, down to his own children. And if we miss that, now we are going to have three teenage children at home mm-hmm. not being able to mow the yard, and then we pay somebody else to do it. We're missing out this whole thing on work. Work is a blessing. It really is. It teaches us life skills on how to be effective in society. And let's face it, right now, I want everybody to work and do well and pay into the Social Security system that one day, maybe some of us might get a dollar or two from it. But if we don't have a good work ethic and everybody's a taker, then we're going to deplete what we know as the national funds and all these national programs that we have. And also, if we don't have a work ethic, then what are we going to do? Yeah. Everybody cannot be served. Somebody's got to be able to pick up something and do something. That's right. And I work in the service industry, you know, where we I, I work in coffee shops and we and we serve coffee and everything. So if you want to receive that service, I got to have good workers. And this is something that I, I, I deal with a lot with my employees. Um, I've been blessed with some fantastic workers. I've also had to deal with some that have not been taught how to work. So it is my responsibility as an employer to teach them what I want, uh, to teach them how to be uh, a, a useful member of not only society, but of my team. You know, my team is a little microcosm of society. So if you want to do well in my team, that's going to translate into doing well into society. And, and in, in the future, um, you know, my wife and I have always talked about how 
we love to pour into our uh, our younger workers at our coffee shops because they um you know we know they're not going to be there forever um you're likely not going to re- retire from an entry level hourly position uh at this coffee shop so for the time that you're here we want to pour into you and teach you how to take initiative how to be a self starter how to think ahead of of not just my current situation but what do I need to be doing next how can I continue to help and a lot of times the the attitude has become well what's in it for me you know well i would do that but i mean are you going to pay me you know volunteerism gone working in the church gone you know it's, it's not completely but you know what i mean it's it's way down we have the hardest time getting people to go to the nursery or to work with children or in your case to work with teenagers sometimes you have a hard time because people want to know, well, what's in it for me? Sure. And and I think the other thing is that we are running into a generation that they're afraid to make a decision. Mm. They're afraid they're going to be wrong. If I'm wrong, therefore I'm a loser mm-hmm. or that's my identity because I'm always right. I'm always up. I'm always good. The reality is we're all messed up. We're, we are broken creatures from the mm. fall, but we can be redeemed through the Lord Jesus Christ. So our identity has to come back through Christ, not in whether or not I'm always right. If you're always right, there's something going on. One, you're probably not doing anything, so therefore you can never be wrong. And I run into with teens and young adults, college students, they're afraid to make a decision or they don't know how to make a decision. So what they do is nothing. Right. And if you do nothing, that's the wrong decision. Yeah. You have to you have to strike out and try to do something and make the wisest choice you can. If you make a mistake, or let me rephrase that, when you make a mistake, learn from your mistake and not make that same mistake again. That's maturing, that is growing, that's that's learning how to live life on a daily basis. Our parenting then means then we have to have a safety net so our children can fail at home where that we can catch them and we can pick them back up. When you were mowing the yard, yes, you missed a few things. And I told your mom, let it go. Mm-hmm. Don't, don't make him go back and correct it. He has to learn from his error. When he sees, ooh, I missed that strip, the next time you did it, you didn't miss that spot. Right. Why? Because you saw how well you did. And with your personality, you wanted to do well, mm-hmm. and we all should, but the next time you did better. And from the first time you mowed the yard with a push mower to the last time you mowed it at home with a push mower, you were, you were more efficient, you were quicker, you did a great job, didn't have to tell you a whole lot about it because you could come in, see that it needed to be done. You know I'm going to tell you to do it. Mm-hmm. So instead of waiting to be told, you took the initiative. Well, all that is, that's teaching life skills. You teach someone to figure this thing out, give them the, the proper tools, and then give them support. And in your case, give you the praise. Hey, you did a great job. I'm so proud of you. Why? Because I am. Um, we need to be able to give praise. If we're going to give criticism, we also got to give praise. What we don't want to do is give all praise for no work because now what we get into is the whole mentality of I'm good, I'm wonderful, I'm great, Mm -hmm. and you're not. That's why American Idol, we sometimes cringe with some of the judges because they tell people truth says you cannot sing. Yeah, but my mama said I could sing. Your mama lied to you (laughs) because she wanted you to feel good about yourself. And that's not reality. So I think for us as parents then, we have to be real. We have to be realistic. Give them tasks, give them ownership, and because ownership creates responsibility. Mm-hmm. Once I give you ownership of, I want the yard clean, I want it looking good, I want you to make sure it gets mowed, and and you do a good job. Wow, you take pride in the work you've done, mm-hmm. and then the family unit as a whole 
celebrates in that because we're all in the same house and we all get to celebrate your accomplishment and we all get to enjoy a fresh cut lawn. That's a small illustration, but if you will look that look it up and then play it further out mm-hmm. into washing the car. I remember when you got your first car, <laughs> which was you know not much of a car, but we'll do, we'll save that for another day. Yeah. But the the point being is when we got that car. You went out and washed it. You went out and put uh, armor all on the tires. You cleaned it up. You mm-hmm. vacuumed it out. Why? It was yours. Mm-hmm. Ownership creates responsibility. And I think that we need to give kids, students, children anyway, they need some responsibility. There are lists out for age-appropriate, we'll call them chores for an old school thing. Right. There are certain things that kids need to do. If you're a certain age, you need to make your bed. If you're a certain age, you need to carry out the trash. You can unload the dishwasher. You can load the dishwasher. You can vacuum. You can dust. These are things that need to be done around the house, not because I have children to be my servants, but as a family unit, it's the responsibility of everyone to make sure those things get done. Yes. And and, and, and there's nothing wrong with rewarding with, say, money. But the problem is, you know, first off, if you give an allowance, they've done nothing to earn, right? And right. so you're not teaching any responsibility. Not not saying you shouldn't do that because you also need to teach them financial responsibility. But sometimes you can give them money for the work that they do, but sometimes they need to understand that you got to work sometimes even when there's quote-unquote nothing in it for you. You've got to learn the ethic of it. And um, you don't have to tell them that's what you're doing. You're going to thank me someday because, you know, uh, what was it, Calvin and Hobbes, when he says, I'd hate to think that everything in my life is going to be an object lesson someday. But it is, you know, that's called life experience. Um, Now, one of the things um, that we've also talked about is perseverance. You got to keep doing it. This happened the other day. Um, We were uh, cleaning around the house, all of us, all four of us as a family, and my daughter was cleaning down uh, – she was knocking down spider webs, and she was not enjoying this task because she is terrified of spiders. And I told her about a time – I don't know if you even remember this. We lived in uh, Murfreesboro, and we had a wood pile uh, in the back of the house between our patio and our garage. And it was it had been there for a while, and mom said, I need you to move the wood pile from point A to point B and clean up around it. I said, okay, that's fine. Can I wear gloves? She goes, yes, you can wear gloves. So I went and got some gloves. I moved two logs and saw a spider that I swear to you stood up, looked me in the eye and said, give me your lunch money. I'm telling you, it was huge. It freaked me out. And I said, mom, I can't do this. And she goes, oh, you're going to do it. And she wasn't being mean. I, of course, thought she was because I was 11 years old or 12 or whatever. And I and I started crying and bawling. She's like, you will finish this job. And I did finish that job. It took me I don't know, an hour, hour and a half. I cried through the whole thing. I yelled. I was angry. And I got the job done. And so I told my daughter, I said, you have to do this. But there's behind it. I understand. I, I really can empathize with you. I was literally your age doing the same kind of task. I was terrified. I was angry. And I was frustrated. And I did it. And she did it. And she cried and she was mad and she didn't enjoy it, of course. But the process of doing said task, and it's and it's not being mean and just forcing your kids, but you're trying to train them. Our job as parents is not to be our kid's friend, topic for another time. Our job as parents is to train our children 
to be members of a functioning society and to be a contribution, not a mosquito that sucks out of everything else. Yeah. And, and, and for those folks who are going, oh, the, boy, your parenting skills are terrible. You guys are just abusive to your kids. <laughs> I, I can understand how you might think that. But the reality of it is when you have to do the difficult task, when you go through a difficult situation, be it a spider, mice, snakes, whatever the case may be, there are certain things in life we have to do even when they're not enjoyable. Mm-hmm. I'm a taxpayer. You're a taxpayer. I hate April the 15th every year. The government doesn't care. No. Yeah, I can cry and I can yell and I can scream and say it's making me feel, it's, it's making me feel uh, offended and, and, and I don't, they don't care. No. They want you to pay because yeah. that's the law, it's the rule. So we have to teach our kids to function within the society that's out there. And there are times where that you have to do the difficult task. Um, I've had to clean up some things I sure didn't want to clean up. But it has to get done. And you know what? Nobody paid me extra for it because it's called parenting. Mm -hmm. It's called living life. And sometimes you have to do those difficult things. And if we don't teach our children to do the difficult things, then they'll never do them. And then you magnify that for your grandchildren and your Mm great-grandchildren. I have no problem in making the grandchildren Mm -hmm. do hard things because hard things creates great results. And And it even creates great memories. Because um, I think about the time that um, you guys, you and my son Liam, uh, cleaned out a section of the land that you guys inherited, and you wanted to work on this. It's a section that we call the dog lot, because it was a dog lot about 40 years ago. And you guys worked so hard for, what, two days from, I mean, hours. And it was back-breaking hard work. You guys were clearing land. You guys were pulling poles that had been there for 40 years that are not fence poles they were steel pipe concreted into the ground and you guys were working so hard and my son was 11 12 years old when they they were doing this work and he worked so hard and you worked with him and you guys created a memory that none of the other grandkids had i didn't have my wife didn't have whatever you guys created this memory over manual labor and you can still tell those stories, and it's a unique experience that you can pour into his life, and he can he can reciprocate. Um, unless you think that we are just being uh, ridiculous, and let's go to the scripture, right? Because as we all as you always say, you got to stay in the word. Stay in the word. So we're gonna uh, we're gonna turn over here to uh, Matthew chapter twenty five, and this is the the parable of the talents. And in the parable of the talents, to paraphrase, um, Jesus is t- telling a parable, and he talks about. Uh, a man who's going to go on a journey calls his servants and he entrusts them to his property. And he says, um, you know, to one he gives five talents, to another two, to another one, to each according to his ability. Right. Well, that's not fair. They should have all gotten the same <laughs> amount. Yeah, probably not. Yeah, exactly. It's a, it, even in scripture, each to his ability. And then he went away. And they, And it talks about how the one with five, what did he do? He doubled his money. The one, um, the next one with two doubled his money. But what happened to the one with one? It says, but he who had received, this is uh, Matthew 25, 18, but he who had received the one talent went and dug in the ground, the only work he did here, and hid his master's money. So when the guy comes back and he says to everybody else, you know, the five talents, he says in verse 21, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over little. I will set you over much. Entering the joy of your master says the same thing to uh, the two. But then, verse 24, 
He also, who had received the one talent, came forward, saying, Master, I knew you to be a hard man, reaping where you did not sow, and gathering where you scattered no seed. So I was afraid, and I went and hid your talent in the ground. Here, you have what is yours. You can hear in him, he's expecting to be praised. Hey, I didn't lose what you gave me. I saved it for you. Here you go. Well, what's the master's response? Yeah, the master says, you worthless and lazy (laughs) servant. You knew all this. You should at least put it in the bank or something. You got me some interest, but you did absolutely nothing. And he takes away what he had and he gives it to the one who did well. But that's not fair. That's right. It's not fair, but it's it's life lesson. (laughs) We cannot... We cannot continue to live our lives being afraid to make a decision. It, let, let me explain it by a youth, youth pastor analogy. Mm-hmm. You want to see indecision. We live in the South, and I can show you indecision all the time when I'm driving down the road and I see a squirrel that's been flattened in the middle <laughs> of the road. Why? It couldn't decide if it should run left or it should run right. It tries left, but no, it goes back to right. Oh, maybe that's not right. So it's indecision. It's failure to make a decision gets mm-hmm. it killed, yep. and it happens time after time after time. You cannot rest on the fact that you didn't decide. That is a decision. Mm-hmm. So we then, as leaders, as parents, that we got to help our children learn to make decisions. And if they fail or when they fail, what did we learn from it? Right. If we didn't have failure, we wouldn't have the light bulb. We wouldn't mm-hmm. have an iPhone. We wouldn't have an iPad. We wouldn't have any of the electronic stuff we have because somebody figured out another way it won't work right. instead of sitting down crying because they failed. Formula 409. Why is it called Formula 409? Because the 408 before it didn't work. That's w- literally the name. WD-40, water displacement. It was the 40th formula. Yes. And it worked. That's why they named it WD-40 because that was the code word. Water displacement 1 through 39 stunk. Right. But 40 worked. Exactly. And so you have to persevere. You have to do difficult things. And as a parent, you have to be okay with allowing your children to, I don't want to use the word suffer, but suffer through. Sure. You know, because it's not, you're not, you're not placing, you're not being a taskmaster. You're not being evil. You're not being mean, but think past today. If nothing else, get that. You have as a parent to think past today. You weren't thinking about Oh, well, it's Friday. He's probably been at school all day. He's really tired. I'm just going to let him lay off. No, you're thinking, hey, one day he's going to have a 13-year-old kid who's going to be tired and laying off. And he needs to understand the value of hard work so he becomes a useful worker, a useful member of society, and a useful – and it's not just about, well, just add to the machine. No, we're talking about your character. We're talking about the kind of person that that has responsibility. You're going to be a great person. Um, parent, you're going to be a good member of your church, you're going to be a good member of your business that you work for, and to continue to be a big, good member of the society. You read scripture, it is biblical to a work, it is biblical to work hard, and it is biblical to persevere through difficult situations. Absolutely. And and for those that are listening, listen, we're not saying that you take a five-year-old and tell them to go outside and change the oil in your truck. <laughs> We're talking about age-specific things, age-appropriate things for them. If they're five years old, they can learn to carry out the trash. They can learn to to take the the plates and put them in the sink or put them in the dishwasher. A 15-year-old should be able to do more and better than a Mm five-year-old. And the older you get, the more responsibilities you have. 
we've got to teach them as parents age-specific, age-appropriate things so that they can grow to that next level. Now, how do you teach when they push back? Because they will. I did, you know. So how do you lovingly and effectively, how do you say, I know you don't want to. I understand that. But you're going to, and here's why. What do you think is, is, is a good technique, if you will, in how do I get them? Because, you know, you're going to get a lot of people that are go, well, my kid won't do that. First off, that's a problem for another podcast because you've taught them that that, that behavior is acceptable. So you can't expect a 180. If you've built the culture of you can tell me no and you can resist this, we'll talk about that another time. But if you've got a person who you're trying, you've got a kid, you're trying to kind of turn them and, and mold them and teach them this responsibility, what are some ways that you can help goad them along? Yeah, I think, I think that's, I think that's a legitimate question. I think depending upon the age, obviously, and you Mm -hmm. do have to start young. And if you haven't started young, you have to start where you are. But some of those things is one, you get pushback. That's human nature. We're Americans. We don't anybody tell us what to do. That's just, that's the cultural who we are. So if I'm telling a five-year-old, you need to load the dishwasher. Well, I don't want to. No, I'll do it with you. I will show you how, and I'll work with you through that. And then you make it a game and say, how fast can we get the dishwasher unloaded? Because I did that with you guys. Y'all yeah. had no idea. It was a game. <laughs> you thought we were just trying to beat the clock. The whole thing was I was teaching you how to do it, and you did it with fun. And work should be fun. It shouldn't be always a, a drudgery. I'm hearing Mary Poppins here. Absolutely. And then when you do all these things, all of a sudden is they know how to do it because they want to be successful. You've shown them the guidelines. You've shown them the highs and lows and where the guidelines are. They can do it, and then you can move on to something else. If you have to come down to no and punishment or discipline, Mm -hmm. then that is not what you start with. That's the end thing that you do. But you have to work with them and understand what's going on. A friend of mine said years ago that he had a son. 15 and he did not know how to clean his room he said his room was a pigsty mm-hmm. it was just horrible and it, the very very quickly this story he said he, he told his son you've got to clean your room oh dad I, i'm going out i'm going out he said i realized one day i didn't show you how i wanted you to clean your room that's on me i'll show you how okay let's do it he said, no I'll, I'll wait till the appropriate time to show you how to clean your room so his son was getting ready to go out somewhere he said tonight's the night i want to show you how to clean your room so he went to his room. He said, clothes are everywhere, beds unmade, everything. So he said, first thing he did is he made his son's bed. This is how I want the bed made. And then he picked up all the clothes and folded them. This is how you fold your clothes. Then he took all the clothes and put them in the drawers of the Chester drawers and hung them up in the closet. And his son is thinking, dude, this is great. He just cleaned my room. Yeah. He said, thanks, Dad, for showing me. He said, no, 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 no. I just showed you. I've got to see if you know how to do it said he pulled every one of his drawers out of his <laughs> out of the chest drawers, dumped them in the bed, pulled all the clothes out of the closet, threw them on the bed, took all the covers from the bed and threw it in the floor. He said, now you show me how to do it. Mm. And he said, to, he said, but I'm going somewhere. No, no, no. We're, it's a life lesson. It took him forever. Didn't get to go out. Right. Yep. Fast forward. Son, I need you to mow the yard. Dad, I don't want, do I need to show you how to mow the yard? No, sir. I've got it. Because he learned how to do that. So it depends on your kid. It depends on your personalities Uh and stuff. But here's the thing. If you get pushback, you're the parent. Parent. Yes. Lead them. Guide them. You have got to win this game. They are not the chairman of the board with veto power. That's right. That's exactly right. Do not allow them to do that. You're the parent and you need to win. That's exactly right. Well, thanks for joining us today. And uh, again, if you've got any questions or anything, please uh, get in touch with us because we want to make sure that that you understand 
the purpose of what we're doing, why we're doing it, and how it has its basis in Scripture. And um, so today, as we thought about, man, how do we teach our children to be hard workers and to do difficult things? Thanks for listening. Check out wewerethinking.org for more episodes or drop us a note to info at wewerethinking.org.